and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the second inaugural edition of A Bit of Anything podcast. I am your host, Mr. Tyler, along with my good friend, Dan, who is out in Maryland. Dan, how the heck are you, man? I'm in Maryland, so that that should pretty much sum it all up. Well, for those of us who have never been to Maryland, it sounds like a scary place to live, going to home health visits and wondering if you'll come out alive. So I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Other you. than that, how how is life treating you? Life's treating me pretty well. Pretty well. I can't complain. Well, good, good. How about so, you? Oh, I'm I'm uh, in New Mexico, so I'm kind of in the same in the same boat, so Anyway, we've got uh, a little bit of a, a show for you, and I say a second inaugural uh, episode because it was about a year ago, Dan, yes. in July of 2018, that we were, we had this idea, hey, we should do a podcast where we just rant about things that make us upset. It can it, It's usually sports-related, mm-hmm. um, and it can be... Uh, anything from players that are kicked out of the leagues to contracts to anything that's usually sports related. And our platform is to just give our thoughts so that all of you uh, who listen to this will understand where we're coming from and, and create some spark and some new ideas in the universe. So that is what this show's platform is about. So, kind of just ranting if we want to because we can and uh we'll just kind of see where it takes us that's kind of it's not really scripted we just do what we enjoy and we have fun bantering back and forth and and talking so dan what why don't you introduce your likes in sports then i'll introduce my likes in sports and then we will get to our topic of rantage for today I guess I like um, – well, I'm a Steelers fan since birth. So. Boo. Yeah, but I'm not like diehard Steelers fan anymore as much as I used to be just because of the the way the game has kind of turned into more of, um, I don't know, a, a business slash joke than a competitive sport. Uh, and actually that was one of the topics I thought we could talk about was the contracts and sports, the big contracts and, and where that's going as a trend. Um, <clears throat> but other than football, I do pay attention to a little bit of basketball. I don't really watch it anymore, but uh, yeah. All right. And I am a Raiders fan and I'll probably get booed and hissed for that, but that's okay. I've, uh, I've been dealing with that for a long time. So um, Raiders fan don't really follow basketball anymore. I've got to be honest. I I know who plays where. I know I did watch the NBA Finals game last night. I was very I <laughs> surprised that the Warriors looked like garbage and uh, that the Raptors looked like I don't know. They looked pretty good. So I was very surprised by that. Don't really follow basketball anymore because same as kind of how you feel with with football. I feel about basketball. I feel like. Most of the NBA players are just whiny little babies, uh, and there are a few that come to mind: Chris Paul, James Harden. Those two are are Le- and LeBron James. Those guys just I can't even watch them play because it just 
I, I just get too irate. Like anything that goes wrong is not their fault. They have, and they're just little whiny babies. Like I remember, do you remember watching like Jordan play and like Pippen and the Detroit Pistons, like Bill Lambeer and Joe Dumars yeah. and Isaiah <clears throat> Thomas. Like that was when basketball was on the verge of like, maybe they weren't the greatest athletes, but gosh dang it, they played hard and they played with heart, and they didn't whine and complain about every single little, either getting a call called on them or a lack of a call that they perceived as a foul. That that was like the era that I grew up in, and then I've just kind of watched basketball evolve, and I, it's just gotten, like, I'll play with my little girl. She likes basketball. I still like it. I like to play. Just watching it is not my favorite anymore. And baseball... I like baseball, but uh, mostly I'm a I'm a pretty diehard Raiders fan, and I stick kind of to the football kingdom anymore. Um, Which but makes yeah, sense. so um, Dan, let's go ahead and uh, hit us with some of your contract knowledge. Okay, so let's just talk about how big contracts, and you just mentioned it, have affected the NBA. Let's just take LeBron James for an example. I hadn't thought about this, but it's the truth. Um, LeBron James is pretty much given the keys to the kingdom of the NBA. He's out in L.A., apparently trying to influence people on the Raptors to come join him in L.A. so that he can become a bigger star and make even more than a billion dollars and all of this. And this whole concept of a super team is really where I think I bowed out of paying attention to basketball with the Miami Heat and the way LeBron James put his tail between his legs, ran down to South Beach, got a couple championships, and then went back to Cleveland acting like he was a good man and everything, only to turn around and leave again. So it, it, yep. it shows you what kind of a person he truly is. He's a person that's concerned about himself. His brand. It, his brand. And this whole idea of a brand, I think, is nonsense. The idea of a brand only comes up because of social media. These people, the, the brand of Michael Jordan probably deserved to be a brand because he was a transcendent player. Everyone yep. in America, white, black, anything, wanted to see Michael Jordan. I remember in 1996, I was on vacation, but my parents and I left the, the house we were in, which was out in the middle of nowhere, to go into town to rent a hotel room just to watch uh, the Jazz play the Bulls. And that's how much Michael Jordan meant. So a guy like Michael Jordan, I think, deserves to have a brand. Um, but every single does, player, he a does. A pretty nice brand. Right. But but he, he deserved it. Nike gave him the Air Jordans. That was a very you know, big thing back in those days. And other people have had shoes. Allen Iverson, Gary Payton. People have had yep. shoes in the past. But nowadays, it's it's gotten out of control. Where these guys are, you know, you see these commercials with, what's that guy's name, Westbrook? Yeah, Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook. Who is part what of is, the Jordan what brand. Won? What has he done? And he's you know, $200 he million dollars richer, and, and he's on commercials when he can – can he say a sentence without sounding like a, a Neanderthal? So, like, what do these guys <laughs> need to be put out in the public view for everyone in the world to see? I, I think that that's the mistake. And so what I started to think about was – what is the goal of an athlete? What was the goal of Michael Jordan, do you think? Was it to get paid? No. Jordan I mean, wanted to win because it pissed exactly. him off if he didn't win. Exactly. I mean, just I mean, <clears throat> from the time that he was cut in like what, eighth grade or was it a junior or something? At I don't know. uh in in high school, 
his coach, I, I believe he invited that coach to his uh his NBA Hall of Fame inductees uh that ceremony and he called him out. <laughs> like I would too. the guy was all about winning. Yeah. That was what was important to him. I I'm sure, you know, he had a lot of money, but I don't think that that was his number one priority. And that's what he I wanted to just smear your face in losses. Right. His goal was to win. The goal of the young athlete now watching these whatever they are nowadays is to get the contract, to get into the league. Do you know who else had a goal of I want to get to the NBA but never had a bigger goal? A young man by the name of Len Bias that was from Maryland. He got to the NBA and overdosed on cocaine within, what, 72 hours? He was yeah, dead. I, I I think he was like a. I think he was he was drafted by the Celtics, right? Yeah, I mean he would have. He had the same talent as Jordan, and I think he had a greater vertical leap than Jordan, which is scary. Okay, yep. if you ever, if anybody doesn't believe me, go look up some Len Bias tape. It's ridiculous, and realize that you're watching 1985, right? Yep. So basketball yep. is way different back then, and this guy's flying all over the place. He's hitting long range jumpers. He's blocking shots. He was amazing. But yep. His goal wasn't to win. His goal wasn't to win championships. His goal was only to get to the NBA. So he achieved his goal and then killed himself. And he's a rough extreme example. But but what you're seeing is that these guys winning is like tertiary goal or maybe not even that. They don't even care. They don't care if they win. They don't care if they lose. They just showed Odell Beckham Jr. got a, what is it, an orange Rolls Royce. I mean, no, a, I did not a, see that. It's an eyesore. <laughs> well, anything I, I don't know in a how Browns uniform is an driving eyesore. It. Yeah, the Browns uniform is an eyesore. But the idea is that, I mean, what is this teaching young athletes? What is this teaching people? And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's bad because what should be leading these big contracts and getting paid is winning, being successful, not just putting up some numbers in a sport – like, let's use the NFL, for example. I use Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. <clears throat> These guys were both way overpaid. Everybody knew that. And then they both got traded in the same offseason. And I don't think it's, an, it's a mistake. It's not an aberration that this has happened. The league's catching on that, like, well, even though these guys are putting up stats, those stats aren't translating to W's in the win column. Because we've changed the game around so that the defense can't do as much to the offense, blah, blah, blah. The quarterbacks are throwing 5,000 yards each each season. It's changed the game. But paying those guys that amount of money, what do they turn around and do? They don't turn around and try harder. They turn around and want more money. Odell Beckham Jr. had some kind of youth football camp a couple months ago. I don't think it was free. So it's like this guy needs even more money? Really, dude? How can you need more money than that? Because you buy a Rolls Royce that's orange and you're a jackass. That's why. <laughs> They're horrible I, examples for the youth. And people are going to recognize that one day. The next Michael Jordan that comes along and he says what I'm saying, everybody's going to turn their head and go, oh, okay. I see that. And I think the NFL is catching on. So I thought performance-based pay should be the norm in sports. And performance can be based on if you're a rookie, there's like a, a stage one. If you're second year, there's stage two. Now let's say you're a rookie and you win a championship and you're MVP. 
Now maybe you go up to stage three, something along those lines, but you have to achieve to earn. You can't be like one of these guys that's like, oh, well, uh, maybe he'll be good. So we'll give him millions and millions of dollars. How about, uh, what was his name? Russell, uh, the Raiders. No. Oh, Demarcus Russell. Demarcus Russell, yeah. Yeah, who put us in a hole for like (laughs) 10 years. Yeah. So this then goes into my next thing I thought we should talk about is the 2021 NFL lockout. Because it's going to happen. People think it's not. Yeah, you, you better get ready for it. There might be a year without football. And I think the biggest problem that the players have is that they don't get guaranteed contracts. But the problem with guaranteeing a football player money is the case of Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley gets a four-year, $60 million contract, $45 million guaranteed, $20 million signing bonus. He can't even finish out that season. We don't know why he has knee osteoarthritis. I think that's bullshit. I think he probably has a low-grade meniscus tear. I think that they don't want to perform surgery on that meniscus tear because they're hoping that it can heal on its own. They don't want to damage the knee with surgery. But what are they risking the player? He's got to go back out there and play this year. He's got to go back out to training camp. So he's at risk for a much more significant injury in his knee. And if he tears an ACL or completely tears a meniscus, he's not going to be as popular anymore. They're going to have to cut him. They're going to eat that money. And that slows the team down. So what I think will end up happening is if they want guaranteed contracts, they're going to get lowballed. Teams are going to come to them and say, I'll give you three years, $10 million guaranteed. Players are going to be like, I don't want that. I used to make $45 million. Like, Well, those were the old days before you guys complained even more about guaranteed contracts. Because the other point that I think should be she made is that those owners are paying the players, correct? Who the hell is paying the owners? The fans. Yep. The average working blue-collar fan is spending more and more and more and more money to go to games, to buy jerseys, to see it on TV, to do all of this stuff. And we need to at some point as fans say, wait a minute, I work my ass off and I, I go home with like 50K and this guy is faking a knee injury and just made $5 million over the past month. Like the, the fans have to stand up and be smarter. And it's I think, true. I, I just think that that has to happen. Smarter consumerism from the fans. Yep, that's that's very true. And I, I, I saw an outrageous number talking about the NFL. So, uh, you know how much extra revenue the NFL pulled in last year? Is this like I heard something strange about the NFL was trying to to do something like that, but it has nothing to do with ticket sales or merchandising, right? I don't know where it comes from, but they pulled in over four billion dollars. Mm. That and that's like after they've paid all the teams. That's after they've paid Goodell, who makes an a ridiculous amount of money. That's after the and does really nothing. Like he's right. a figurehead. He well, doesn't he, have. He, he's been nowhere since all those suspensions. Was it two, yeah. three years ago? Or like they it blew should up have in his been. face. The Ray Ray Rice thing, I think, really blew up in his face. It did. And so you've got these guys that are making a lot of money, and they're still pulling in a ton of revenue. And like you said, that's from me, the fan. That's probably from you know 
I don't know how many people pay for it, but Sunday ticket. And I've seen that they're going to try and and go away from Sunday ticket and try to broadcast more games so we, the consumer, can see those without having to pay so much. I don't know that that's going to happen or not, but I've seen it. I've heard rumor of it. But, I mean, from jersey sales, from from tickets and concessions and all that type of stuff, like, they are pulling in a ton of money and where does it go? I mean, I know they do some some research and development for supposed concussion, you know, stuff and things well, like know, that. I but know. for one instance, uh, the Patriots owner Robert Kraft uses it on blowjobs down in Miami Beach. <laughs> that he does. That, that he, does. he does. But then he gets away <laughs> with it too, which I don't understand how that works. That's a because he's whole got money, topic. man. If you get arrested and you have money, it doesn't matter what you did. That's the problem with this country. Nobody gives a shit anymore if you have money. (laughs) That is true. It is true. Unfortunately, that is that is the case. The uh, so so going off of that, I I knew we're going to be talking about contracts. So I looked up the list of the largest sports contracts. Now this is on Wikipedia. So we know that it's very good research information, right? Like it, it's the best that's out there. This is fabulous. And we learned that from the office. Uh, when Michael Scott tells us you can learn anything about anything and it, you know, anybody can write this information. So we know that it's legitimate. So, here are the, here's the, the top 10 list and we'll just go there and then I'll hit some highlights. So basically, kids, if you're looking for something, try to be good at baseball or boxing. That's that's where you should go. If you're trying to be good at something, aim on baseball, aim on boxing. Mike if, you, Trout, if you can't hit a ball with a bat, just try to hit another person with it. <laughs> right. Or try or or try to throw the ball really hard. That 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 also works. So Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, just signed a 12-year contract that runs from 2019 to 2030 for a valued $426.5 million, okay? That pays him $35.5 million plus a year, and every time he steps on the field, $219,400, basically. Into his pocket. Let me just interject something. It's perfect time. You mentioned every time he steps on the field, baseball players step on the field 162 times a year if they're not in the playoffs. NFL players 16 times a year. Yep. So so you NFL players that are bitching for like baseball money, it's not there unless you want to play 162 games. Right. Yep. You gotta in baseball. Baseball is one of those where it, it is a grind. Like it is a an endurance. I mean, yeah, you stand in the outfield, but I mean, could you? I mean, players in the NFL are complaining that Goodell in the new con or, or the CBA, the new CBA, wants 18 games a year, like just as a regular season, and they don't want that. So that means you know they probably they get banged up more. Oh, but, for sure. But you're right. I mean, you're stepping onto a field 162 ish times. You know. Injuries happen, rest days happen. That that's just part of the game. You want to save your best players for hopefully making the playoffs. But put you know those are those are pretty big numbers uh, yeah. 
$219,000 a game. That's that's unreal. Then the second person is boxer Canelo Alvarez. Every time he steps into a ring, he signed a contract with a sports streaming service, DAZN. It's a subscription video uh, service, and it's dedicated to sports, live and on-demand streaming of events from various properties. Um, and yes, I'm reading that from their website. But $365.5 million dollars. Every time Canelo Alvarez steps into a boxing ring, he makes $73 million. Or no, that's a year. I'm sorry. He makes $33 million every time he steps into a boxing ring. And that's the highest number on this list by millions. But how many... I mean, I, I'm not into boxing a whole lot. I know that you watch MMA a lot or used to. Used to. <laughs> how, how many How many games... I mean, how many... Uh, matches or, or boxing a, events a does, does somebody do a year injured could maybe do three and that's if they have like a january uh summer and a winter you know what i mean okay but most fighters one to two a year okay. guys like um one of the, one of the richest ufc guys is mcgregor i don't think he's won a fight in three years I think the last person he beat was uh, Nate Diaz on a rubber match that he bitched about because Diaz whooped his ass and then went and got stoned out of his mind and came back and lost. But that's Nate Diaz. He's a gangster. He's my favorite fighter. <clears throat> so you're, you're looking at about three fights a year, which Tops. in this case, in this case, Canelo Alvarez, 33 million a fight, that puts him at like 66 million. So he's still getting a little bit even more than that um if i just or no i'm i'm sorry that would be three that would be 99 so i can do math i promise um anyway so if he does two fights a year he's about covered that 73 million a year number three on the list is another baseball player bryce harper for the phillies who just signed a 13 year 330 million dollar contract um, he makes about $25 million, 25 and change a year. Um, and then number four, I'll just run through these. Number four, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, who is who signed his contract with the Marlins and traded to the Yankees. Number five is San Diego Padres. Uh, I can't remember if he plays shortstop or third base. Manny Machado. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. Now, this is interesting. Alex Rodriguez, these are all fairly recent contracts. The ones that I've just, they've been signed in 2019, 18, 19. Giancarlo Stanton in 2015. Manny Machado in 19. Alex Rodriguez, 2008 with the Yankees, signs a $275 million contract for 10 years. At the time, unheard of. He was the, I, I, I believe he was the first Two hundred thousand dollar man. That happened in two thousand one with the Texas Rangers. He signed a ten year, two hundred fifty two million. I remember dollar contract. I remember him signing that and going to play for the Rangers because he used before that he had been with the Mariners with Randy Johnson, uh, Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Alex. I think Alex Cora was was on that team as well. But anyway, um, I was mad 
But that I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of money, 252. And that's 2001. I was a uh, sophomore in high school. And I, I mean, still, it, it's just crazy. And then Miguel Cabrera, uh, Robinson Cano, and Albert Pujols round out the top 10. All of those players play baseball, and there's one boxer. Mm-hmm. These are some highlights. James Harden comes in at number 12. He signed a six-year, $228 million contract, netting him about $463,000 every time he takes the court. Uh, we have to scroll clear down to... I forgot what number, so I'm just looking and scrolling for the name. Um, 40-something. Yeah, Andrew Luck at number 49, or yeah, at number 49 with the Indianapolis Colts. Six-year, $139 million contract. That's the highest football player on this list. Mm -hmm. There is not one before him. I've looked and looked and looked and looked. So basically, if you're trying, there's there's some basketball players. We talked about them. But all of, like all of these guys that are football players that want to get paid on the same level as baseball players, they've got to take into account they're not playing as much. Yes, it might be more physical, but they're I mean, you're not gonna make two hundred or how four hundred and twenty six million point five dollars. Unless you charge a fan like $5,000 per ticket. Right. And the sad thing is that there's morons that will like literally go into debt to go see games at that price. Yes, there is. I I saw, I wish I could remember. I know it was on Twitter, but I saw that for game, I want to say game two in Toronto, there were two tickets sold for like 18 grand a piece. Something crazy like that, a ticket for a basketball game yeah. for that much money a, is unreal. So, I mean, unless the, the NFL players want to play more um, and make more that way, I don't see them making the type of money that baseball players are making because baseball players step on the field way more than a football player does. And you could say for baseball and basketball, you know, you might have a little bit of an argument, but but these guys' careers are typically more healthy. It's and, it's very and, true. And typically, when these baseball players and basketball players get injured, if they come back, they're able to bounce back. If you have like um, I don't know why this just came to my head, but Mean Joe Green, he tore his labrum against your goddamn Raiders uh, in what <laughs> like 1975, I think he tore his labrum. But they probably didn't know what it was in those days. So he just kept no playing. No MRI back then. No, nothing. So he just kept playing, but he admits that he wasn't as strong as he used to be. But the guy adapted and he learned how to play. But the fact is, if you watch his early years, dude, he was dominating other human beings. In his later years, he was finessing them some more. But the point is, it totally changed him. He's got to be one of the best defensive players of all time, just the way that he dominated yep. Yep. And change the game. Um, so that's an example. You can talk about Todd Gurley's knee. 
I mean, yep. he, he, I, I think that we will see this season that Todd Gurley is not going to ever get back to that form. And it's sad, but it happens that quickly in the NFL. It can be one game and that's it. You know, yep. you get yep. one shoulder injury and that's it. But then you have guys like Drew Brees who get the labral repair and come back and MVP candidate type stuff. But Right, and playing um, for a long time at a high level. But he is playing quarterback, a position yep. that, that has been basically – marginalizes the how yeah exactly um so for anybody out there that thinks that tom brady would be able to play into his 40s when terry bradshaw played football they are huffing glue because there's no <laughs> damn chance tom brady wouldn't have lasted five seasons if he played in the 70s no it's he would it, not. <clears throat> he's a i mean they don't they don't they did not protect uh, if there's i've known dan for yeah, probably what seven seven years now. I think we've been graduated from school from PT school for four years, and we were in school together for three. So about seven years. Dan is a savant of old school football. He loves his old school Pittsburgh Steelers, which is which is it's fabulous. I've learned more about the Raiders from Dan than I've probably learned myself about the Raiders' history. There is no way. I don't care if you're living the TB12 diet or not, but there is no way that Tom Brady would have, yeah, they they did not protect the quarterback uh, back in those days like they do now. The quarterback now is, you know, in, in the Chiefs game, in the playoffs, all of a sudden, you know, Tom Brady's helmet gets brushed and it's a 15-yard penalty. Um Back in the day, I mean, you could take out their knees, you could take out anything you wanted to, and you and it was fair game. Like people played to hurt other people. I know with the Raiders, like cheating was encouraged, like in the seventies. Like they hid things in their hand wraps. Like they slugged oh, yeah. you with like That's metal why they kept pieces. Using forearms. They, have you ever seen uh when George Atkinson knocks out Lynn Swan with his forearm. Yeah, but it's it's not a it's not a heavy thing. It's like that. Lynn Swan's like done. (laughs) I mean, he had to have had a cast on. If you watch that, if anybody can find that play, it's it's legit. There had to have been a cast on his arm to knock another person out with a helmet on. Well, and I bet within that cast was embedded various other things (laughs) as well, metal ball bearings or something, metal rods. But I mean, it, the, the game of football has changed. Along yeah. with that change, it, it's become more monetized. It's become let's protect the stars. I mean, when uh, they didn't protect Ken Stabler, they didn't protect. I mean, they didn't protect people back in the day. No. And I think what I would like to see, and this goes back to that ex excess of revenue. I'd like to see them take kind of the NFL step in and start to take care of some of those guys that that forged the way. I mean, there yeah. is no NFL without a mean Joe Green. There is no NFL without a Lynn Swan. There's no NFL without all of those, you know, the great Dolphins teams of old Um as terrible and pathetic as they are now, they used to be a dominant force. I can say that about the Raiders too. I have no problem saying that because I, it's the truth. Then but, Joe Montana. Joe Montana had that hit by Marshall. I don't remember his first name, but uh, Montana gets that wicked hit in the 80s. 
is it 89 NFC championship game maybe? I th- and, yeah, somewhere in there. And he he's he's pretty much never the same again. But I mean, had the rules existed that keep Tom Brady playing into those 50s, at that point in time, I, I think, you know, how many more Super Bowls Bowls could Montana have won with that 49ers squad considering that they went on to win another Super Bowl? Absolutely. And so <clears throat> right and then and I was just going to I was going to head right there in Steve Young like uh, you know, he had all those um, concussions and everything. And, and Aeneas Williams ended his career. I watched that game and I was like, I don't think he's ever coming back. Like he had no idea where he was. And I, I would like to see some of that revenue that the NFL makes every year go back to providing some health care for these guys. Like I saw a, a sad clip the other day. There's a guy that I don't know and I won't pretend to know he was a, a former Jets defensive lineman, is starting a GoFundMe so that he can afford health care. It's like, yeah, goodness gracious. We should probably tell our reader what happens. When an NFL player is on an NFL team, that team pays for their medical insurance. If a player gets injured, the team has the right to cut them and immediately stop their medical insurance. And that's what happens to these guys. So for a guy... That's trying to make a team. He tears his ACL and gets cut. He has to find a way to pay for all of his rehabilitation on his own before getting back into the league, if he can ever get back. Right. That's a big problem because you're just using people. You know? Exactly. And, and and these guys have played their whole lives. And you and I have also talked a lot about like these what if type players. These guys that had flashes in college or flashes in high school or even made it to the pros and had a flash and then suddenly they're gone and it's like they just got used up. They either got injured or, or they weren't well prepared for what they were facing, but, but they get used up and they try their whole lives for that and then suddenly it's over. And you get people like that O.J. Murdoch kills himself because he never gets another chance at playing. Um, and he had a teammate killed himself too, McKinley. Um and, you know, like the, these guys just <laughs> – another topic we were going to talk about but we might have time is the Richie Incognito and all these chances that he gets. Right. Whereas some guys, they, they barely get a chance. Like they, yep. they get to a training camp, they play pretty well, and then they get cut. That's it. You know, and it's like that, that's not really fair for those guys that that they don't get more of a shot. And it's it's – I don't know what the league could do about that because that's just the way it goes, I guess. But – but and if I a guy that, is injured, they need to stand by that guy until he's medically healthy. I agree. And 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 it's not like they don't have the money to do that. That's what exactly. that's what kills me is is yeah, I mean a, a guy shouldn't have to go on GoFundMe and, and beg for people to help pay for his medical expenses. Like that, that's just that's that should be like a a covered thing. Like you you played you know, and maybe you set a cap. Medicare does that. I mean, we're all yeah. as a therapist, we're we're, you know, we're very familiar with the cap that that uh, Medicare patients get as far as physical therapy goes. Uh, and maybe you make it like an eighty twenty something or some type of insurance plan for these guys. There's the money there. The revenue is there, and I think that they deserve a, you know a chance to to get better and not have to go to Facebook and Twitter and go fund me pages to take care of themselves. That's just that that's a, a bad look to me on the NFL. Um, 
I can't remember where I was headed with with all of that, but we were, you know, with the contracts and everything. Like, it, it's crazy to me how how everybody looking at these numbers. You know, what when is the when is the five hundred million dollar contract? How far is that away? Uh, and you're talking about this money. We've talked about this a lot um, before together about a lot of times, at least in the NFL, and that's where I know more about contract situations, it's funny money. Like, these aren't mm-hmm. guaranteed, this isn't guaranteed money. Like, people act like you sign a contract, like Aaron Rodgers, where I can't remember the exact figures. I know it comes out to around $37.5 million a year that he plays. Um, but I mean, those aren't guaranteed contracts. And they've, usually will load them in some such a way that eventually in three years after they've used you for what they want, they can cut you with no, you know, with no retro. Uh, sometimes there's a dead cap space or or something, but GMs have gotten more savvy recently. The Raiders had a big problem with this because Al Davis would just chuck money at people. He wanted a guy and he would just throw money at him. Money, 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 money. It got us into a place where the Raiders were financially a mess. Reggie McKenzie came in during his tenure, not a you know not a terrible GM, got us out of that salary cap problem. But it's a it is a problem for these players who have nothing really to fall back on. It makes me think about Marshawn Lattimore, who played for South Carolina, uh, tore up his knee like. If you can find that on YouTube, you better have a bucket nearby if you're queasy at all because his knee just gets absolutely shredded. But they rebuilt that knee. He ended up getting drafted by the 49ers. But I mean, once you tear your MCL, your LCL, your ACL, your PCL, and you rip your meniscus, like you can live a normal life now, but you're not going to have that same burst that you once had that made you special. Exactly. And so... You know, that those are things you don't, you know, what do they have to fall back on? That it's And it's sad. And I think so this I, is where a lot of them would say, well, that's why I build my brand. And it's like, yeah, but but your brand is nonsense. Like, let's use Le'Veon Bell's rap career, for instance. If anybody doesn't know, that jackass thinks he's a rapper, too. So let's say that Le'Veon Bell plays for the Jets this year, which may or may not happen. Who the hell knows what he's going to do? He may retire and go smoke weed. But as soon as he's done his NFL Allah, career... Ricky Williams. Yeah. Do you, as soon as Bell has done his NFL career, how many people give a rat's ass what he's rapping about? I mean, come on, man. It was bad. Nobody I listened to, to it. I, I haven't listened to it. I won't. I, I, I don't even, I've heard him talk, and that's about it for me. But <laughs> um, then you think of guys, especially on the Steelers, Cameron Hayward. He does everything you want him to do. He's at the non-mandatory OTAs. He's a good, well-spoken man. He doesn't bitch and complain. Every single down, he's falling near the quarterback. The guy plays hard. The Steelers didn't give him a guaranteed contract, but I guarantee you that he will see the end of that contract because they will reward his hard work, his drive, and his goal by keeping him on the team. And... When a player like Antonio Brown doesn't get legacy, he leaves the Steelers to go to the Raiders, which is fine. There's legacy with the Raiders too. 
but he has to build a new legacy there. So he has to be good there for several years before he's earned that legacy. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm expecting that maybe he's going to have a slight drop off in production because he played well with Roethlisberger. I think they had sort of like a connection, like a kismet kind of, of idea. Roethlisberger would put balls in places that I never see him put balls in other places for other receivers because he kind of knew what Brown could do. There's like this second sense. But if Brown finishes his career in Pittsburgh, even if he doesn't get any more guaranteed money, do you know how many endorsements and and signings and and events that he would go to on a monthly basis? He'd be considered the greatest like skill player in Steelers history. He would and if you if you think I'm lying, look at Santonio Holmes right now. Pittsburgh has welcomed him back into the fold, and anytime you see a group of old Steelers together, Santonio Holmes is there now. He read a draft pick this year, all this stuff, and people don't forget that the Steelers dumped him for a fifth round pick. They wanted to get rid of him, you know, but but he made his way back because he didn't really do too much with I mean he had a couple good years with the Jets, but it wasn't legacy building. And I think that's some of these guys don't get. If you build your legacy, then you can exist outside of the sport once you're done. Eli Manning will be made for life retiring a Giant. It's worth more to him to retire early as a Giant than to try to go somewhere else and, and eke out a year. And, you know, that legacy can come in and help these guys at the end, but they, they're so concerned about right now and they're so competitive with the other people that they're playing with and nobody's really thinking about the future, you know. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. <clears throat> it is. It is interesting. Like it, that's one thing that I wish happened more often in sports now. Because when I, I mean, I grew up in the era in the NBA where where there was no such thing as free agency. Like you, you right. didn't get a, a chance. You were drafted by a team, and most of the time, you stayed with that team. Um, and you didn't leave and you didn't form super teams. You didn't, they wanted to beat the snot out of you. You know, if you, you know will. what, Tyler, that makes sports more compelling. It does. Because it's more dramatic. If the same group of people go through the same adversity and then come back and achieve, people are like, yes, that, that group did it. They came together as a team. But if every single year it's different people, it's where's the, you know, where's the pride in it? Yeah. And that, and that's the thing too, is like people, they, they chase and, 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 you know, like maybe I've, we're, I'm too hard on people for quote chasing money. But to me, I I guess I'm just a loyal type of person. Like if somebody, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a, a loyal type of person. I'd like to stay at one place for my whole entire career. That I would like to do that. Um, it hasn't happened, unfortunately, but that's life. Um, I I think you're right. I think you know with with Antonio Brown leaving Pittsburgh, had he left on on good terms, and it was like he's at the end of his career, almost a Jordy Nelson type situation. Yeah. Jordy Nelson will probably never, you know, Raiders fans will be like hey, he played like one year for us. He did okay. Right. And it wasn't a bad year by any means, but it, you know, I don't think that tarnishes his legacy in Green Bay. 
Not uh, really, no. Because but they were Antonio like Antonio Brown has absolutely scorched the bridge that he left. Exactly. Town on. Yep, he did. And mm. and the you know I as a Raiders fan I see all of the you know there's a there's a lot of animosity even between uh, Juju and and Antonio Brown. There's a lot of animosity there. There's a lot of bickering back and forth, which. I'm like, dudes, take it out in the back, you know, and quit you that, on I, social I media. Quit, it's one-sided. Quit, quit fighting on social media. Take it out back and get it out of your system and be done with it and move on with life. But That's why I don't do social media for listeners. Like, I think it's kind of like a, the only time I ever really used social media was to bust my friend's balls because I thought it was funny. Otherwise, I think people put stuff on there like, you know, I have a friend and his wife will sit there and post all night long while they're sitting next to each other. It's like, who is that for? You know what I mean? And like, it becomes childish. It does. It really does. And and to stand up, to try to stand up to other men through social media. I mean, you may as well show that you have one of those, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, <clears throat> that's not a way to do it, man. No, it's that not. Shows no balls, no grit. No, I don't know. I think Antonio Brown's a coward. I hate to say it. Yeah. I thought he was great a year ago, but but he's <laughs> shown his uh his true colors. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. Hopefully, you know, I I don't know that that will ever change. Um, but you know, he had nine great years in Pittsburgh. I mean, good. That's something you can't take away from the man. And you know, I I guess another guy that goes that I think of too when that when you go to switching teams is uh look at Jerry Rice. Uh, so he goes, you know, sets all these records. The Niners are like, well, we don't really want to pay you anymore. And so he's like, I can still ball out. I still think Jerry Rice could, <laughs> could catch 50, 50 passes a year. Like he looks, he's an incredible yeah. shape. He's, I mean, he is just anyway. Uh, but he good leaves. Shape. Have you seen Herschel Walker? He fights in MMA now, doesn't he? Dude, he's like 55. And it's he's... like he's never aged. Really? And they if you ask him like his diet, I read about his diet. He did not eat but one meal a day. He didn't eat comp I didn't I don't think he ate wheat. And I'm not sure that he ate a lot of meat. He ate a lot of vegetables. From what I understand, he eats like potatoes and asparagus, and he looks like he eats nothing but anabolic steroids. <laughs> You know, I mean, a, the dude a James Harrison esque person. Yeah, James older. Harrison might have might have had his his way with some anabolics at one point. <laughs> so anyway, Jerry Rice leaves the 49ers, goes and has several more productive years with the Raiders, and then I can't remember. I I want to. I know that he retired with the Broncos, but I can't remember. I know. I think there was one other team. Seahawks, right? Did he play with the Seahawks? Out for, for them. Did he? I know that yeah. I know that at the end of his career, the end of his career was with the Broncos and like he was he joined their team and then he quit. But I can't remember what other teams he played for. Nonetheless, yeah, it was the Seahawks. It was, he was on the 2004 Seahawks. And then uh, did he does it show that he ever played for the Broncos? Maybe I'm smoking. No, he didn't. He, he did didn't. not. He was an offseason member only. An off-season member only. Okay, so but he was um he was there. That was like his last team. Yes. Okay. 
So he he was with the Seahawks. So he was with the Raiders until 2004. Is that or 2003? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. It looks like the Raiders traded him in 2000 in the middle of 2004 to so the he Seahawks. Played, he played six games for them, started five. Then he played 11 games for the Seahawks and started nine. Okay. Okay. So so, so Jerry Rice. I mean, that's 17 kinda, games. That doesn't make sense. NFL.com. Nope. But anyway, so he leaves, you know, you could argue his legacy is is always going to be in San Francisco. I mean, that's yeah. where Jerry Rice became Jerry Rice. Didn't really burn any bridges there that I know of. I'm probably too young to remember any of that. And there was no social media around. There was no that's the thing. There was no people didn't. acting like idiots. He, and he did it because he understood the game. Jerry Rice is a smart man. If you listen to him speak. Yes, he he's is intelligent. You can hear what he's saying. You can tell that, like, even if he's had a rough background, he understands what, like, how to be a public personality, how to yep. handle it in stride. Another guy that I think is really well with that is, is Bettis. I think Bettis is really well spoken. If you ever read about his background, it's pretty rough, but you wouldn't you wouldn't get that from the way that he is and talks and speaks and whatnot. But yep. but you're right. Jerry so, Rice's legacy is definitely intact in San in San Francisco. And I would argue too that maybe he even has a legacy. I know he has a legacy in my heart as a Raiders fan. He still came in and had a couple thousand yard seasons. And he took you guys to the Super Bowl. And you, him and him Tim and, Brown. Him and Tim Brown balled out under Gruden and Rich Gannon and a bunch of old wily vets and Zach Crockett and you know should have been two Super. It, there should have been. Yeah, well, well, I won't get off on the on the old tuck rule, but two thousand one should have been our flipping buddy year. That cost you. What's that? He's your new, it's your best friend that cost you, and he's now your new coach. <laughs> yeah, he he cost you a Super Bowl. Now he's back to cost you more. Yeah, I I don't know. I no, I, I know. wish I wish that old Bill Belichick would have. I, I don't know that that was just a bad call. Bad call. Anyways, so yeah, that that kind of set the tone. In, it's funny because at that point in history, uh, you take the Patriots franchise. That's kind of when uh, they they came on their rise, like that 2000, 2001 season. Yeah. And that's when the Raiders met their demise was the next year in 2002 against the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl. And anyway, that's that's sore history. But you know, back to Jerry Rice, he never did anything to to stain his legacy. And I wish. I wish players understood that now. Like, there's no way, maybe in 15 years, like when maybe the water has gone under the bridge several thousand miles downstream that Antonio Brown is welcome back in Pittsburgh. I don't he know that he ever be will be. back, man. It's, it's not going to happen. And maybe he, he, took, he took it way further than I've ever seen any other person in public take it. He purposely like detrimented his own trade value. He, he, he just went about the entire thing wrong because had he just gone to the owner and say, I, look, I don't want to play with Roethlisberger anymore. Trade me. Or, they would have traded him anyway because Roethlisberger went and said the same thing. So he didn't even have to do all that. Now the Raiders got him for a better price <coughs> for that sure. They did. Um, which you have to wonder if, AB was tampering at all. I don't, I don't really know, but, uh, it, it's, it's very bad. And I was thinking of, of another legacy that's completely tarnished Steelers. It's Bradshaw. Hmm. 
Hmm. Bradshaw absolutely would not embrace his legacy in Pittsburgh. You know, he constantly wants to talk crap about Chuck Noll, even after he makes up with him. He's always talking bad about Tomlin. He's always talking bad about Ben. Actually, maybe he supports Ben here and there, too. But but he just ever since he quit, he can't seem to get it through his head that like whatever happened with you and the fans in your early career, you should put that behind you because it is behind you. And you could have had this big legacy. And yeah, he comes here and there to Pittsburgh, but he's not, he doesn't have like a Joe Montana to 49ers or Marino to the Dolphins type of a legacy where it's like he shows up at the stadium and there's like a golden throne for him type of a thing. You know, it's just, it's when, Bettis, because, when Bettis shows up, is there a golden throne for him? Oh, hell yeah. That's pretty wide. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has to you know, be nowadays. Yeah. Now, Bettis is. He is so loved there, man. Everybody loves Bettis. You can't go wrong with a little Jerome Bettis. Yep. And so, I mean, if if I think if I think we all come, we bring this full circle back to quit playing for for money. Take yeah. you know, and and maybe you know you take a hit. To me, at the end of my career, look at how much money these guys make. I mean, they make more money than I'll ever see in my life. Probably in a year. You're talking $37 million at the top, at the peak of your profession. And and now, you know, that legacy to me would mean, yeah, I'll take a pay cut. I mean, look, I don't know that Drew Brees has really taken a pay cut, but he performs at a very high level. I think he only makes, well, when I say only, I say that with quotes around it, only $20 million a year. But he's won more than Derek Carr has. He's won more than than Garoppolo. Aaron Rodgers has. He's run won more than Andrew Luck has. Yet he's like in that kind of mid tier of pay of quarterbacks. And I think he just loves. If that's a legacy that will never be tarnished, it, it is his love for for New Orleans and that city and their love for him. That is going yeah. to be one of the probably one of the greatest legacies ever left behind by any player ever. Um, I agree. And, and so anyway, he, he'll take like that kind of quote unquote hometown uh, discount. But I think where this is all heading to is, is sadly at this point, uh, you sent me a text the other day from, I think it's D Maurice. Is that how you say D Maurice Smith? He's the yeah. uh, president of the players. And it all comes back to that, at the beginning, we mentioned there being a, a lockout possibly in 2021. There, there's a that is when the contract ends. As of right yeah. now, contract negotiation. <clears throat> yeah, negotiations are like not they're ongoing, but but they're not really hit full stride yet. And but they're fully expecting for there to be a work stoppage now. There are some players, you know, those not everybody on a 53 man roster is obviously making you know, millions and millions of dollars. You've True. got the special teamers. You've got, you know, the guys towards the, on the practice squad that aren't making very much at all. Um, well, and they're, I mean, I mean, I, I hate to, to say it. I disagree. These guys on the practice squad are making $400,000 a right, year to right. practice football. That's exactly. pretty damn good. I'd, I'd take that. <laughs> yeah. I, and I agree. Like I, I, with all of that is, is I guess I should have air quotes around that. Like yeah. they're only making like 
the average American makes like what thirty thousand dollars or something like that, yeah. fifty thousand maybe, fifty thousand for the household, I think. Yeah, and so I mean, yes, they are making quite a bit of money um, just to practice football, but it's sad to me that they have to be warned that hey, guess what? Work stoppage twenty twenty one. More than likely, it's going to happen. Start saving money. It's like they won't really. You got to tell these guys to go save money. Like, yeah, because remember the last lockout, how many players were complaining and how like there were a bunch of them that didn't seem to get it. How come I'm not getting paid? Um, because you're not playing right now. Like what? Because do you your understand? job is defunct. Basically, yeah, your you job have no doesn't job. exist right now. Exactly. And, and it reminded so. I sent you a text back and said, do you remember Latrell Sprewell for the Knicks yeah. in the in the late 90s who was unable to feed his kids. Now, granted, Latrell Sprewell had a kid with about every woman in America at that point, I think. So he had quite quite a few kids, but the, he had just signed one of the richest contracts in NBA history, and he was complaining about not being able to feed his kids because he didn't, you know, he wasn't getting that paycheck from the NBA, which that's just, I mean, that, that's crazy to me that these guys spend that much money i mean i guess i mean i've seen their houses i've seen their cars i'm odell beckham jr just bought like you said a rolls royce a custom rolls royce that's orange that's got to put you back a little bit of money then you have to pay insurance on that as well plus your fancy house and all of that stuff i mean it adds up they live a very lavish life but they don't I mean but it's when, not sustainable it's not it's not it's, a sustainable lifestyle and that's what these guys want is they want the leagues to pay them so much that they're able to sustain that forever I think that's a great can. insight though the guy that really is a good example is Iverson Iverson has blown through his fortune to the point where I, I forget how much it is but Reebok actually put a trust fund together for him he's not able to touch yet because they were concerned about his spending. So he has some money coming to him at some point when he's older, but I believe he was spending $180,000 a month in his height. So if you put that into perspective, he had several condos that he was paying at least 20,000 for. He would consistently go out and buy new jewelry. He was buying his friends' cars, his friends' clothing, all of those things and it just it goes back to certain people don't understand certain things in this world. And certain people coming from very low money environments, whether it be black or white or whatever, they don't understand what to do when they get that money. Right. You know, Bart, if you watch that that uh, ESPN documentary broke, Bart Scott said he took his first NFL check to the liquor store to try to get it cash because that's what he knew. You know, that's yep. sad. It is. That's sad. Andre Risen runs into the office of his owner bitching. Somebody took money out of my check. He's like, well, that's federal taxes don't you know what taxes are and he didn't know you know and it's like wow i mean some people take that stuff for granted but but the public also has to remember that these guys yeah they're they're living it now but look at alan iverson yep if you went back to 2001 and told people like yeah he's having a good time now but in 15 years it's not going to be that pretty for him everyone would be like yeah right he's making so much money but look at him look at him I mean, That's he, he shows takes. up at the 76ers games looking like a rag muffin. I mean, oh, he's just terrible. He he's looks horrid. Out. I think he's an alcoholic and he has a lot of problems. He does. And um, 
You know, the, these guys in the NFL, they're they're setting themselves up for stuff like that with Odell Beckham Jr. getting that Rolls Royce and Ant, uh, Antonio Brown buys himself these goat rings and his son has like a $500,000 watch for his fifth birthday and just just stuff where it's like, dude, whoever your advisors are, they're not doing you any favors. <laughs> they should be because, fired. Yeah. I mean, I get it. If you get $30 million, you want to splurge and go spend two. That's understandable because really, I, I think a fortune in this country is between two and $5 million. If you have $5 million, you can get a house, a car, pay for your kids' schools and have a retirement fund. And if you still work, then that's just gravy on top of it. So a person in this country, unless they want to be, you know, like in charge of the world, which is what a lot of these guys are misconceived that they can do that from sport, they don't need that much money. They don't need this LeBron James type money because what do you see happened? He has like some show on TV, right? Yeah, I, I think probably he's produced awful. a couple of them. He was in a movie which was called Trainwreck, and I'm sure it was very well titled. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, do I want to see LeBron James in a film? Hell no. I don't want to see any football player, basketball player, baseball player being a star of a film. I don't want to see that. Hell, I don't want to see most of the people that are out there because they have good bodies. They're, you know, stars of films. What happened to being able to act? What happened to having a good idea for a show? Not just like, you know, the Watt brothers have a show coming out about um, like ultimate tag or something. Huh. That's a, you know, like whatever. They're kind of a fun group of guys. So maybe it's a fun idea, but I'm surprised it wasn't really... the Gronkowski brothers that did something <laughs> like that. But we're, we're entering a, a weird territory now where these athletes are making so much money that they're able to take over entertainment businesses and they probably are going to try to force their way into politics at some point don't be surprised if lebron james doesn't eventually try to run for some sort of office because you know they have these god complexes and if you give people millions of dollars why wouldn't they yep that's very true it's it's a shame it's not to say that they that they don't earn some of that you know i mean they 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 get their clocks rung and they they work they hard. I but yeah, I I think I think our our point is today is that these contracts seem a little ludicrous. You know, when you're saying he only makes four hundred thousand dollars, and you look at the average in this country is like fifty thousand a year. That that there's like there's plenty of money to go around, and and these guys just need some help it sounds like with their investing and, and being smart with their money. And I, I for one am willing to help them. Uh, I just need a little bit of money. And uh, anyway, but uh, that's yeah, a here's, lot. Here's my, my last thing about these big contracts. So these guys that come like Antonio Brown, I think he's from, is it, is it Hollywood city or is that oh. his, his brother, wherever, wherever he's from, he's from somewhere in Miami. Now he's from a gotta be a very, very poor area. Very low chance, very low success rate for human beings there. And he has all this money. Has he gone back and invested anything in where he's from to make it any better? I would hesitate to say I doubt it. You know what I mean? Like why he doesn't seem like the person that would care about that. But some of these guys like LeBron James, if you're worth a net $1 billion at 35 years old, can't you go invest $50 million in the urban environments so that people can have better chances at going to college at living to 50 years old at not having diabetes and not being forced to eat bad foods and live in crowded cluttered environments. 
I mean, if these guys really want to rise to that level, they need to take on some kind of philanthropist thing like that. Not like this Colin Kaepernick nonsense about the, the you know, um, not Pledge of Allegiance, but the national anthem, right? I mean, I mean, it's not nonsense, but at the same time, he had no goal with it. That's why I call it nonsense. It's because he's just talking to talk. He's just, he's just out there to see himself out there. He didn't have a goal and he hasn't really worked towards anything as far as I know. So I think that that's kind of where we need to go. These athletes need to take responsibility. They need to start being good role models for the young kids. You know, how many, I remember I saw a, a picture of a Giants practice field and all these young kids wearing Odell Beckham jerseys. Um, it just blew my mind. Cause it's like, he's definitely the last person on earth that I would want my children to roll model. <laughs> After. Now, the one thing I will say about LeBron James is I know that in Cleveland, he has he funds a school. It's a private school. I think it's free. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he pays for all the supplies and everything out of there. Um, and so I, I think that's what you're looking for, right, is somebody to go back, invest in where they grew up, help help more people get out of that area in a better situation and leave it, leave it a better place. I, I don't tell know you, if, if West Baltimore city, for instance, if they had an, an injection of $1 million for the community, it would completely change life there. And how many athletes in Maryland, in Baltimore are making multi-million dollar contracts and nobody gives a rat's ass to go turn around and do that. So that's kind of the, the thing is like, yeah, there's all this money, but we're taking it away from the public to give to these select few people who are self-centered and doing nothing for the world with it. And, and what do you think their children are going to be like? Oh, it's the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's, and it, and it's sad. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a cycle. The problem though, is then like, you know, how many, how many kids of stars become stars? I mean, that's probably, that's probably a topic for another day. But, I mean, Michael Jordan has several sons that tried to play basketball. Nothing. Uh, it, it's just you. Just because your dad is somebody doesn't mean that you're going to be a somebody as well. Or your mom, for that matter. And there's there's plenty of, like, plenty, Serena Williams, one of the greatest tennis players ever. That's not going to guarantee that her daughter is going to be one of the greatest tennis players mm -hmm. ever. It doesn't mean anything. It, it, yeah. It's, you know, it, it comes with hard work. It comes with, I, I, I would, you know, being a scientist, there are genes that play a part in that, you know, that that's just science. There is a scientific part of that, but you know, just kids I that are handed everything. I knew somebody, uh, he's here in Maryland. His family are millionaires. The guy's been, you know, since 16 years old, he's had everything handed to him. He couldn't fucking spell his middle name Michael without calling somebody to ask for help. And he was probably 22 years old. And I was just sitting there like stunned that somebody that has their own, you know, $500,000 house can't spell his own middle name. And that's what these people are going to be. Autonomy Brown. Autonomy Brown. Really? Be interesting to see what that kid does with his life. Interesting indeed. Indeed. Yes. Well, it was a good session. I think we yes. both I think you have to go get family members. 
So I do I just want to make one one last little subject here because we you and I were talking about Richie Incognito and I won't go too deep into it because I have like ten minutes, but I was researching because we were, we were talking about the golf club incident. So in 2012, there was a report that Richie Incognito took a woman out to a her, his truck at a bar, I believe, and he used a golf club to sexually assault her. And then when she didn't go forward with his advances, I suppose you could call them, he poured water on her and kicked her out of the car. Now, the NFL investigated it, and the reason that they did nothing was because they said, quote, the allegations could not be substantiated, end quote. Now, you're telling me <laughs> two people were involved in it. And if I have the rest of his lengthy rap sheet, I won't read it, but he's the type of guy that absolutely would do that. So what is the NFL saying? It's like, well, we didn't really know and there's no way to prove it. So yeah, let's just hope it goes away. And there's another great instance of where that happened. Tyreek Hill. The NFL knew damn well that he was, he strangled and punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach, but she stayed with him because of money, right? I can't Potential imagine any earning. other reason. Potential earnings. So the NFL took that as a sign of, well, we don't really have to do anything about it then. And that's gone to this point where the NFL turns a blind eye. Like this whole Ezekiel Elliott thing knocking over a security guard. I don't care how like slow that interaction looked. He walked over and used his physical force to push somebody else over. And if a person hits their head against the concrete, they can have a traumatic brain injury, never be the same again. And this kid was probably late teens, early 20s, just bouncing at, at some place. But the NFL is going to turn a blind eye on the Zeke Elliott thing. The Cowboys are going to give him the biggest contract for a running back. And we're just going to wait and see what he decides to do with his life after that. The guys should really be given one second chance, and that's it. And you get one second chance. There's a zero tolerance policy. And I know my Steelers fans out there are going to hate this, but I believe this is true. Ben Roethlisberger should have been out of the league in 2009. He deserved to be. He, he dug himself into a position where I don't like him. He's a quarterback for my team, but I would never buy his jersey. I don't cheer for him. You know, I, I don't like him. I think he's an ass. I think if you hear him speak, he, he comes off as arrogant and just out of touch. Uh, he's not a good team leader if you ever hear him mic'd up. But whatever. But I think what the league needs to do is be far less tolerant with this type of public abuse from players and far more lenient with the substance abuse matters of the players that are there right now. Because – Martavis Bryant brings up a really good point that he was in the substance abuse. Um, what do they call it? He was part of the policy, part of the program. Mm -hmm. And he didn't think that he was doing well. He wanted to go see another doctor. They didn't want him to go see another doctor. They wanted him to see only the NFL doctors. And he relapsed is what we're assuming, right? Right. Yeah. So he relapsed. And all I would say is that Martavis Bryant has simple performance anxiety. He's an anxious human being, probably. And he, he has a lot to live up to in his own mind, and he probably puts a lot of pressure on himself. 
So he turns to substance abuse when he's tried other things that don't work out because nobody really is looking to help him. So instead of helping a man that's like basically crying out for help, you keep suspending him, keep suspending him, keep suspending him until he has no life. What's what is Martavis Bryant going to turn to if football's over for him? Is he going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a librarian? Come on, nope. man. He's an no. athletic specimen. That he's is an what athletic he is. Specimen. He'll probably turn to the streets. You know, he'll probably get into some sort of stuff. That, that's what ends up happening to these guys. He doesn't and have so, like a. He doesn't have a future in like sports broadcasting or anything like that. I don't not. think. Definitely not. So I, I think that the NFL needs to turn face, be far less lenient with the abuse, far less lenient with players coming out and saying things publicly, far less lenient with all of this spousal abuse, female abuse nonsense, but far more lenient with the substance abuse. Not performance-enhancing drugs, but substance abuse. Get the guys that have substance abuse problems into substance abuse programs that address the reason that they take the substance to make them better human beings. Yep. All right. And I mean, I think that's, that's just makes all the sense in the world to me. And I'll, I'll leave on this note. I, I, I do. I, I'm going to go right there with, with you. I, I do feel like they're both problems, right? I, yes. They probably, they, they're probably go hand in hand. Some, some with the, the abuse. I mean, yes. it's, it's a common knowledge that America has an opioid cross uh, a problem. There's a crisis yes. in our country with opioids. You can't tell me that a lot of these guys aren't on opioids or getting cortisone inje- uh, cortisone injection probably isn't going to cause anything real bad, but too many of them will will lead to to damage tendons, ligaments, all that stuff. But yes. these opioids affect people in different ways, and, and so you're just I mean you're giving these guys handfuls handfuls of opioids you don't know what it does to them uh and they probably go home and they're like i hurt let's smoke a blunt you know but and that's and that's that's when they get caught and you know we heard heard a really good um i'm not sure if i heard this on callan coward or if this was nick wright but one of them was kind of saying that because chris long is coming out now wants to speak about marijuana they're saying that if an athlete trains really hard during the day and then goes home and has a six pack of beer, the ethanol alcohol will negatively affect the muscle tissue and increase the risk for injury following recovery because of the way it damages the system like that. But if they go home and smoke a joint, that's going to relax their system, but it's not going to put a chemical inside the muscle, such as ethanol alcohol, that will have to be worked out of the system before the muscles are able to be strengthened again. So almost makes more sense for the athlete to have a joint than a beer. Yep. And, and, and you know, I'm not condoning the use of either one, but no. it's it. There needs to be some some I would say definitely taking a harder line against abuse of people than there is right now. And it's weird, too, because it's like a base by base case or a case by case basis. I mean, you've got Ray Rice, who was filmed knocking the snot out of his fiance or girlfriend or wife or whatever. He's been black blackballed from the league. No one's going to sign him. He was kicked out. His career is done. His career is over. It's over. 
So why? And it's not like he was a bad athlete. He was he was pretty much at the prime of his career. Why then? But if there wasn't videotape of that, he would have been back on the Ravens the very next season. That's probably true. And and maybe that I'm I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe that's the reason why. You know, a Tyreek Hill is still in the league, a Kareem Hunt. But heck, Kareem Hunt Kareem Hunt has video of him knocking a girl down and kicking her in the stu- in the gut. How much more how much more do you want? So how much this more is what, this is this is what I think. I think that the NFL, because of the Ray Rice video, that's like their um Patterson Gimlin film. It's like the Bigfoot film. It's like we're gonna we're gonna always refer back to this. So no matter what the next person does. Let's compare them. So they take Kareem Hunt's video, compare it to Ray Rice's video, and they're like, this doesn't look as violent. Just give him eight games. Who cares? That's got to be their method. That's, right? that's a very good point. It's, it's like Tyreek Hill. Well, it's a phone call. It's not on video, so we don't have to do anything. Right. Yeah, I, Which I is really sad think it's because sad. there's a little kid yeah. with a broken arm. One, you know, right. one way or the other, it, he's got a broken arm. That's yeah. that's and, and and yet his dad who abused him in utero is now yeah. abusing him outside of the womb as well. Right. And the piece and the, of and trash is still playing in the NFL. That. Yeah. And the mother's allowing that because she wants that money. Yep. And it, you know and what I'm it's, saying? it's it's crazy. I don't know her. So maybe I, I shouldn't go that far, but I, I can just read. You know what I mean? I know what it is. We all know. Well, he's I mean, he he is. He's on the precipice of signing a ginormous contract because of his because of on the field uh, performance. I mean, the guy's a stud. He's fast. He's a good wide receiver. And and I believe if he had been on video saying those things, it's a totally different game. But it shouldn't be. That's the problem is it's a game to the NFL. It is. And it shouldn't be. No, we need to take this stuff. Like with with heart, like this Reuben Foster stuff. Good God, that man doesn't belong in the NFL. It's it's really God intervening and taking the ACL from him, saying to us all, "This man doesn't deserve this opportunity." Trust me. Yep. You know, and and I just I believe that. I, I don't even feel sorry for the man. Um, and and Ezekiel <sighs> Elliott, I, I think like, hey, you give that guy money, you are just asking for it. Well, He's we've already shown seen that, that he can't right? control himself. Yeah. I mean, he got drafted and like the next weekend he was at a party in New Orleans and can't keep his hands to himself. I mean, yeah. It, 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 right there, right there. That's yeah. just, you know, that's your hand it's in Ben Roethlisberger all over again, but yep. but I don't know how they intervened. I think Roethlisberger was on cocaine to be honest with you for many for, for a couple of years he was coked out of his gourd. And I think that like his early career success left the Steelers kind of very lenient with him. But then something happened after that 2010, 2011 season where they were like, Ben, if you want to play football, you know, you're going to go speak to this counselor. You're going to do this. You're going to get married. You're going to have children. I, I am wondering when he leaves football, is he truly going to be a family man? I, I really wonder that about Ben. I don't think he's a very good person, but there's and sadly, sadly, it's it's a lot of these people that aren't very good people, uh, and and that's the thing is like how how do some people come from the same exact circumstances, both very maybe from poorer areas, they both get handed a lot of money, and one does one thing with it, and the other does another thing with it. 
And, you know, but I think you've you've got to be right. They've got to be looking as far as video and, and stuff like that. It's got to be that gold standard of this is what Ray Rice did. He got kicked out for forever. It's got to be on this level or higher. Um, and that's the only way people are going to are going to get disciplined, which is unfortunate. I mean, we're talking not about we're talking about lives of many people that are affected by abuse like yeah. this. I mean, Tyreek Hill's kid, yeah. it's, it's a vicious cycle. It is the science yeah, and studies it's are some, somebody has got to step up and stop it. Right. Because and it, it's, it's out of control. If it's, it's not the, the employer yeah. saying you it's can't poisoning the future. Yep. And his kid, I mean, it's, it's there's study after study, after study kids that come from those type of environments, they see that oh, yeah. they're taught that they do the same thing, and we wonder why our rate, like our people, our our world is going, you know, somewhere in a handbasket. Like that's why it's oh, because we just you. we we don't respect people. So yeah, that's all I've got. I will I will save ranting for another day. It's been a good <laughs> episode though. So. Yes. Uh, We'll be back I, in another year. And in an, uh, yes, in another year we <laughs> shall return. But until that time, enjoy your day. Enjoy the podcast. And uh, I don't know. Don't hit anybody and treat each other nice. Treat each other nice. Exactly. Yeah. We will. We will end with that. <laughs>